there. I'm Linda McHenry, host of Taking the Mystery Out of Insurance. Thanks for joining me this week. Today is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020, and this is episode number 17, Confidence is a Choice. If you'd like more information about who I am, what I do, my books, YouTube channels, and podcasts, visit my website at lindamchenry.com. The podcast page will offer you the opportunity to submit questions for each week's Q&A section of the podcast or to request a guest spot. You might also want to check out my book, Taking the Mystery Out of Business, which discusses what I view as the nine fundamentals for professional success. You can find it on Amazon in paperback and as an ebook. Let's talk about confidence and let's talk about why it's a choice. And I think that our confidence is learned mostly in childhood. Most kids think they can do anything. They rush headlong through life, dashing into streets without thinking about traffic. They launch themselves off porch roofs, believing they can fly because they have capes velcroed to their backs. They plan to marry their first grade teachers because they love those teachers and the teachers love them right back. It isn't until adults introduce the concept of consequences and results to children that their confidence begins to falter. This concept is a really good concept to have, but unfortunately, fear is an intrinsic element of it. Fear on its own is an unhealthy. It's simply the concern that will experience pain or unhappiness. But unhealthy fears and phobias take root when an exaggerated concern about experiencing pain or unhappiness inhibits us from doing something we'd likely find enjoyable or beneficial. Quite often, once we face our fears head on, they cease to have power over us. We build our confidence by overcoming them, and our newfound strength is far stronger than the old fears were. When I was a kid, I was terribly afraid of dogs. So what did my parents do? They went out and bought a puppy. She was about six months old, and I was taking a tissue away from her, and she nipped me in the face. And that kind of cured me uh, of the terror of dogs. I'm still wary around dogs I don't know, but that, that unreasonable fear and terror is gone. Confident people learn from their fears. They believe they can handle anything. They feel in control. They feel powerful. They feel in charge of their lives. A certainty abides within them, the conviction that despite the occasional nibble of fear, they're as strong as they need to be. Confident people don't surrender to fear. They accept it and conquer it. Confident people don't expect themselves to be perfect. In fact, they're fully aware they lack perfection. The confident person believes it's possible and likely to handle with aplomb anything that they face. On the other hand, people who lack confidence allow fear to inhibit their certainty. They permit doubt to eat away at them, consuming their convictions, scoffing at their faith, and devouring their self-assurance. A person lacking confidence will stand before a group of people to make a presentation only if forced to do so. An individual who's low on confidence will use his or her anxiety symptoms as an excuse to avoid speaking to a group. Unlike a confident person who views the presentation as an opportunity, the insecure person views the presentation as a chore. Why? Because even if he or she has rehearsed a presentation until it's memorized, the individual is convinced he or she doesn't know it well enough. Insecure individuals are afraid members of the audience will know more than they do and will view their attendance as a waste of time. Insecure speakers expect themselves to be perfect. In fact, they try to achieve perfection, all the while truly believing they're unable to professionally handle questions posed by the audience. 
When overlooking one or two items on an outline or speech notes, a person lacking confidence will feel like a failure. But the confident person is going to stand before a group, okay, despite the stomach distress, despite the racing heartbeat, and despite the headache they know they're going to get afterwards. Why? Because that individual will have rehearsed until he or she knows the material cold. Then that person will share information with the audience, knowing that at least some of them are going to be better off after listening to the talk. The big difference between people who possess confidence and those who lack it is their focus. Confident people focus on what they can and will do. And people lacking confidence focus on what they can't or what they imagine they might not be able to do. In all fairness, I do acknowledge that even the most confident person experiences moments of quivering abject fear, in addition to occasional distress. But people who possess confidence don't allow that fear to prevent them from doing whatever it is they want or need to do. They don't allow their fears to become phobias. Phobias are unhealthy, irrational fears. They may have begun with a reasonable basis in fact, but they grow out of proportion to reality. According to psychologists, the most common phobias are spiders, mice, snakes, and bats, heights, water, public transportation, storms, closed spaces, tunnels and bridges, crowds, speaking in public, and failure. In business, regardless of the industry, the single factor most associated with success is confidence. If you believe you're going to make a sale or that you're going to make your customer happy, if you picture the yes in your mind, if you visualize experiencing rapport with your customer, if you truly believe you have the best product for your client's needs, you're probably going to make the sale or make your customer happy. On the other hand, if you envision a combative customer, someone with questions and doubts, especially questions that you can't answer, and you're afraid the process of explaining to the customer is going to be littered with minefields, you're unlikely to accomplish your goal. Each of us has worked with negative thinkers, like the gal who's always late because of traffic or because her husband didn't set the alarm or because her car wouldn't start. If you didn't work with her, maybe you worked with the fellow who never gets promoted because the people who do get the promotions are always members of a minority, taller and handsomer, or the boss's favorite. Negative thinkers tend to view the world from the perspective of a victim. And they usually do have a legitimate gripe with one or more past experiences or set of circumstances. Some of the events that provoke negative thinking include tragedies or losses about which an individual hasn't gained a level of acceptance or from which the individual didn't recover. Permanent disabilities often tend to make people think negatively, experiencing a series of failures or feeling guilty about past misdeeds or mistakes do the same thing. Receiving constant or repeated criticism tend to make people think negatively and they wind up with low self-esteem. Many negative thinkers attribute their lack of success, failures, and other defeats to situations like those I just mentioned or on parents or events in their childhoods. You hear people like this will say, oh, my mother always favored my sister or no matter what I did, it was never good enough for my father. In extreme cases, parental abuse and neglect might actually have occurred. However, operating from an attitude of negativism is behaving reactively instead of proactively. Instead of making a choice and taking charge of one's life, the pessimist plays the victim acting as if all control rests with another party. We don't have to spend time with parents or anyone else who demean or abuse us. 
we need to avoid negative people and situations. And it's not as easy to handle in business as it is in our personal life. So we need to avoid the negative, to remain positive, and to build our confidence. If you're in a good mood, chances are you're going to be relaxed and experience little or no anxiety. Positive thoughts will generate creative and expansive thinking and responses. But if you're in a bad mood, it's likely you're tense and filled with anxiety. Negative thoughts generate restricted thinking and responses. When you're continually filled with stress, the stress response kicks in. And during that response, the brain releases chemicals and hormones into your body. As a result, you'll experience one or more of certain symptoms, such as a racing heartbeat or increased respiration. The broaden and build theory of positive emotions proposes that positive thoughts and feelings broaden a person's outlook and promote happiness and openness. So again, keeping positive, keeping yourself relaxed, keeping yourself focused on what you can do rather than what you can't do is going to generate more positive results. Keep in mind that negative thinkers, like those with positive mental attitudes, prefer the company of their own kind. Receiving support, approval, and agreement is more pleasant to anyone. Well, why not hang out with and listen to positive, confident people? I really do believe it is a choice. That's it for today's spot on confidence. Now let's do our weekly Q&A. In each episode, I answer questions submitted by listeners. This week's question comes from Mark, who wants to know what the difference is between Medicare supplement insurance and Medicare Advantage plans. And his question is pretty timely because next month I am going to be uh, doing a podcast episode on Medicare because, as you know or may not know, in October, uh, open enrollment rolls around. Basically, a Medicare supplement insurance is a plan of insurance that's sold in addition to existing Medicare coverage. When Medicare coverage is issued, someone enrolls in original Medicare, which means they buy Medicare Parts A and B directly from the federal government. Then if they choose to have broader coverage, they can buy a Medicare Part C plan, which is a Medicare Advantage plan. It's important to understand and keep in mind that when someone does buy a Medicare Advantage plan, it replaces original Medicare Parts A and B. So essentially, a Medicare Advantage plan, or Medicare Part C, is coverage issued by the federal government, and it is Medicare insurance. Medicare supplement isn't Medicare coverage. It supplements original Medicare. So you can look at Medicare coverage parts A and B and a Medicare supplement as providing the same type of coverage that a Medicare Advantage plan or a Part C plan does provide. If you have any more questions, I do teach Medicare webinars on the topic. And once again, I'll be having a podcast episode on Medicare coming up in the month of September. That's it for today. Once again, if you'd like to learn more about me and what I do, or you want to find all my podcasts, YouTube channels, my blog, my books, visit my website at lindamchenry.com. My book about the nine fundamentals for professional success, Taking the Mystery Out of Business, is now available on Amazon. 
Remember, clueless is a dangerous place to be. Tune in next time as we investigate more insurance mysteries together. Mm-hmm.